Okay. So, good morning, Chad. How's it going? Um, so, first of all, I guess this is the part where I pretend I haven't said hello to you already. Um, and, yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself, you can do that. And then we can probably get the conversation, of the, uh, the main topic started. Yeah, so uh, name is Chad Hargrove. I'm a uh, fitness and nutrition coach from uh, Toronto, Canada. And um, I guess the biggest thing I do and the biggest thing that's kind of evolved with my business is uh, I'm actually preaching and teaching people how to lose weight slow, um, which is kind of a, a direction my business is heading in. And uh, otherwise, just uh, excited to chat and thanks for having me on. That's no problem, man. Um, so how long have you been doing this for? I met, uh, I mean, as far as uh, where I started off, I I, uh, I started off in the gym, uh, personal training. That goes back about um, probably six or seven years now. And then when I moved to Toronto from Ottawa, I moved online, uh, started my own business, and we're going on a little bit over four years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I, I've been following you for a while now, and the advice you give is definitely something you know i personally take inspiration from as well and i i really do like um you know even you've helped you probably obviously you don't realize it because you know you have um a lot of you have a big following on there but there's definitely been um good bits of advice that i've taken from what you've said in the past and i've personally applied it whether it's you know just to my own mindset or people i'm working with um and yeah sometimes you know the way you can phrase something is is, is pretty good too so yeah yeah props to you for that that is awesome. Yeah, um, and honestly, I, I like I I used to. Uh, I mean, I, I'll point to you know, Jordan Syatt right off the bat. I mean, he's who I learned how to do this from, and uh, he always told me make sure to pay it forward. And so it's it's cool to hear that it's having a good effect on other people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's one of the, the. Yeah, he's one of my favorite people on Instagram to follow as well for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually yeah. gonna have him on as well. You know, um, later this month if everything goes to plan. So things. Did you talk to him? That's awesome. Yeah, it would be yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I guess we can get stuck straight into, so obviously we, we both have similar audiences. And so I know the majority of people that will be listening to this will, um, a lot of them might be wondering what, so where is the best place or how do you know when, how to start a fat loss journey? So you've got someone who probably hasn't done much before. Um, and you know, all of a sudden one day they they've decided they want to lose fat they've probably tried a few times in the past unsuccessfully um but now you know this is the one like it's going to happen now you know um yeah and uh, yeah yeah how do they start and Mm. i think uh i mean the well the number one problem with this is you know what what happens with everyone is they 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 for one need to understand that you know, without to put it very bluntly, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And the reason why that's important to admit is because you need to go into the internet knowing when you're looking for information, when you're looking for coaches, when you're looking for who's putting out, like who's going to teach me this stuff. You need to first actually understand that you're probably not um, in a place to navigate that very well. And that sounds, I'm going to give you some good news after that. The good news is, this whole thing isn't complicated at all. Mm. Um, and that's probably like the stuff I'm about to say is probably the, you know, what I would have wanted to hear going into this whole thing, because at the end of the day, if you're trying to lose weight, all, all you're really trying to do is eat less. And I'm, and when I say that, I don't mean try to eat like, like 
less and less and less <laughs> is not better, mm. but a little bit less than currently. And maybe if that doesn't work, a little bit less. And however you decide to do that, you can do it in in an in immense amount of ways. Uh, at the end of the day, nutrition is very common sense. You, Everyone listening probably has a great concept of what eating healthy is. The only reason yeah. they get confused is because every stupid diet out there with a name on it um, is saying, well, for when carbs are bad, sugar is addictive, mm. uh, fat will fog your arteries. Uh, there's a, you can also eat too much protein. Um, you know, this is a bad food. You can't have that. If I have that, it's over. Yeah, so now everyone's like, now every direction people look is this is bad. I can't do that. This is bad. I can't do that. And now basically they've just created a situation where everything is bad, depending on who you listen to. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, it's like a pendulum of extremes almost yeah, in the fitness so, industry. It's, it's all about, yeah, it's just like a pendulum of extremes now. Exactly. So you, you get into a situation where, I mean, you kind of throw your arms up in the air and now you're trying to decide which one of these things to follow. And mm. um, so if I, I, if I was starting out today, what I would want to know is like, you're, you're just generally supposed to eat as much, you know, quality food as you can. And, you know, uh, Michael Pollan's quote is, uh, uh, you know, eat mostly Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, eat, eat real food, mostly plants not too much like you're basically just saying like most of the foods you should be eating are plants mm. and i'm not and like you know obviously some stuff on top of that um try not to eat like a lot of junk food or takeout or, or you know uber eats and all this stuff and just like try and not eat too much and that's gonna do like that's generally gonna be eating well and then as far as like dieting after that whether you want to track calories or whether you want to like you know how like you do a point system like weight watchers or do, do you know do whatever all these things are just trying to do is get you to eat a little bit less. Mm. And the reason why that common sense type of like, okay, this is really how simple that's that part of it is. Mm. Um, we can talk about like, you know, like some intricacies with, you know, protein intake and strength training and all that stuff. But just as far as just losing weight, as far as getting the scale to go down, it's not that complicated. The reason why it gets complicated is because for one, there's all that information out there, but also, uh, people have a tendency to be impatient. So when the oh, yeah. common sense, because the first diet everyone ever tries is like, like, no, I shouldn't say that, but like, you know, before everything got so screwed up and the information out there, if, if someone wanted to lose weight, they did what they would do for their animal. They just ate less. But the problem is humans are so impatient and a little bit confused by all the information out there. So if that doesn't work in a week or two, mm. That's then they're it. all of a sudden, well, God, I mean, that didn't work. So <laughs> then they're into the train of looking for keto or yeah. fasting. And now they need to do, do a special diet with a name on it. When you know, in yeah. reality, if they had just like waited it out and used a common sense approach, a lot of people would avoid, you know, 10 to 20 years of, you know, just like yo-yo dieting and all that stuff. Mm. Yeah. One thing I've always said is if your diet has a name on it, it's probably that's probably a red flag. Yeah, it's like it's like and and like you know, it's almost like we sound like we're getting on our high horse here when we say, you know, your diet can't have a name. But it's like your diet should just be made of like generally speaking the foods that you like. Mm. And if you like chocolate, you should probably fit some in, but like do you really want to be someone who has half their diet that is chocolate? It's like, you know, if you want to be and you're cool with that, fine. But most people don't want that. Mm. Um they just do it because they get confused and stressed out. Um and uh you know begin sabotaging them stuff like that but like it's like you know what vegetables do you do like what fruits do you like what um you know what, like what meals do you actually like and you know just like 
get prepared to actually cook them. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with, so when someone is trying to figure out where to start, obviously a lot of it will depend on what they're doing now um, or where they stand now with things. Perhaps, you know, one. I, I think one of the the most common mistakes i personally come across from my experience is that most people that start with me um not everyone but the strong majority they really underreap in protein so you know straight away that's something that we can look at you know how can we get more protein within our diet um most of the time it's not something they've even given given a second thought so you know now that they can become more aware of this um and conscious consciously implement more protein into their diet that i already have no doubt is going to help uh, and then yeah. obviously along with other things too yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, if I, yeah, my, most of my uh, most of my clientele are, are women between the ages of like what twenty five to fifty or fifty five or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, most of them would be the types to ask if it's possible to eat too much protein while they're getting. I've know, had that question. Fifty eight yeah. grams of protein a day. Like mm. they're they're under eating protein and fearful of eating too much of it when like I would. Like it would be just a great thing if we could almost double or triple that number. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is like it's it has a way of the, the the thing is, is it's just it's hard to unless you're gonna eat protein powder all day. You know, like you probably throw like Greek yogurt in there too. But if you're not like if you're gonna get a lot of protein in, it means you're gonna be eating a lot of quality food. So it's not just the protein that's helping, even though it definitely is keeping people more satiated and uh, helping with muscle mass and that type of stuff. But um, it just has a way of like, if you're going to be making more chicken or black beans, you're probably also going to be pairing it with other good things as well. Mm. Um, so it's like, it's hard to have a, it's hard to have a high protein diet that isn't also a better diet than you were eating before. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and that actually brings me on to, to my next point that I wanted to make was, and I'm sure this is something you get a lot as well, is that, so, tracking calories is obviously, like, you know, a big thing that everyone speaks about. Um, I, I personally feel like it works very well for me. Um, yeah. I know you do the same as well. Um, I think I'm almost certain. Um, yes. And, yeah, obviously it works very well. But, you know... And it works very well for a lot of people, but there obviously are some people where they just, you know, if anything, it sometimes causes their stress to be higher, um, where you could perhaps tell it's probably not the best thing for them, Um, you know, after they've done it for a while at least, because, you know, some people do get stressed about it after doing it for two days, whereas I always say, you know, two days is not enough. Of course, you're not going to be that good at anything you've only been doing for two days. Give it a chance. But... Um, and you know give yourself a chance to actually get good at it i'll say let's do it for at least 30 days but you know if after 30 days um or you know a little while longer than that they 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 find it still really stresses them out and they still don't like it um yeah then what would you what's your opinion and the best way to go about perhaps you know having some sort how to go about your nutrition without tracking calories basically yeah so First, I'll say this. I don't get too much of this, probably because my content has a way of screening for it. Like, it's just like... I'm you know, a big, I am you, a fan if, of it too, yeah. Yeah, like, if, if you come in and like, apply for coaching with me, you're usually someone who's prepared to contract calories. There are situations where, like, I'll avoid it or, or go with someone who doesn't want mm. to. Um, but the first things I'll say about it is, I think 
people need to realize that first and foremost, if if they find calorie tracking hard uh, or annoying or something, they should first at least be prepared for the possibility that doing what they want to do without tracking calories may actually turn out to be harder and more annoying and more frustrating. And I'm saying that just because you should at least prepare for the fact that like you may think calorie tracking sucks, but maybe a part of this process does actually have to suck a little bit. And if you're finding, if you're, and if you like, and I'm not saying you have to track calories, that doesn't make any sense. It's like saying someone has to track everything they spend to save money. I'm just saying you'll probably save more money uh, and do like, uh, and obviously manage calories better if you are tracking them. So the first thing I would tell someone is that they don't want to track calories. I'm like, cool. But what you're doing here is you're 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 probably relinquishing a little bit of predict- predictability with the rate of progress you can see, because you're kind of doing it with your eyes closed a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's like calories aren't the hundred percent thing that matter, but they are at the bottom line. Just like if we want to use an analogy with business, the bottom line isn't the only thing that matters with the business, but it's pretty important. Um, arguably, the most important thing that is guiding every decision in any you know, in, in any business. So like the, the calories aren't really the value of the food, but they are the cost. Mm. Um, and if you're walking into stores without understanding what the cost is, uh, you know, you might walk out of some stores and realize you just spent a shitload of money. Mm. So it's like, so you do want to be prepared for understanding that that is how it works. However, that doesn't mean it's the best way for you to live or the best way for you to get results. Um, so, but what can you do anyway? Now you can, you know, like, if you've ever seen like precision nutrition, they do like a, uh, you know, a fist of protein and, and, uh, they do a guideline like that. Um, as far as like a thumb of like, if it's a, a fats, like uh, almonds or, um, you know, olive oil, you're using that because it t- tends to be a little more calorie dense and they're, and, are, and they're kind of just like teaching people to portion control out of that. Mm. You can do things of that nature, mm-hmm. um, or just like have people focus on like healthy plates, which are just like, you know, just like the idea that your, your meal should have some, um, you know, vegetables and, and, uh, and a lean protein source and this type of stuff. Um, and just keep, get people focusing on eating a higher quality diet, um, without actually tracking the calories mm-hmm. or, um, in, it depends on the client though. Like, obviously if you're taking someone with a lot of weight to lose, it's going to be a little bit different than someone who doesn't. And my opinion is if someone is in like a body composition situation where they, uh, you know, they don't have a weight problem, they just want to look better naked. If those people like that's, if someone in that camp doesn't want to track calories, that's where I'm more like, well, we can try this, but it's probably, you like we're probably both going to think it's better if you actually just pull out the app and, and weigh your food because you're asking to take your body to a place where like you're going to have to mind the minutia at that point. Whereas someone who's got like 25 kilos to lose or something like that, um, you, you that person, generally speaking, isn't where they want to be just because they're eating a little bit too much of this. Those people tend to have... Um, and I'm not like blaming or shaming anyone here, but they tend to have a diet that is very like full of low calorie things. So like too much takeout, too much liquid calories, too much junk food. So in that situation, that person on a diet, um, may just need some guidelines around the places that they're going off too often. And like, you can do that with a person who might have a little bit of, you know, fat to lose or whatever, just to like, you know, flatten out the stomach or, you know, what, what have you. 
but it's like again it's like you're at the point where you're playing a, a, a small numbers game like you probably do have to mind everything the person who's got 25 kilos to lose or more or something like that like like that person probably starts to lose weight if they just like you know like go for a walk every day and you know like cut their uber eats orders in half mm. um or so you so from that angle you may actually you know and maybe maybe it's like a thing where like like i don't know take that situation because i guess it goes along better with this you know these people tend to have low lower end cooking skills so just the ability to put food together for themselves like, or they're maybe confused as to what to make and they also have some behaviors where like it, it leads to some convenience type stuff so like uh you know eating junk food when the right foods aren't in the house um or, or maybe some like stress or something like that um you know uber eats too like uh, getting takeout too often these types of things or even like a, a or even a, like an alcohol habit on a week-to-week basis or mm-hmm. even day-to-day basis that leads to other stuff as well so from there you may actually just be like you may actually just want to be encouraging some basic cooking skills or just like mm-hmm. not even cooking necessarily but just like like make your own sandwich um mm. like deli meats and and like it's like no, like and all honestly and, and teach them that a simple sandwich with some bread uh and like some deli meats and like lettuce or something and like you know dress it up however you want is totally respectable food um when they may have been like well i shouldn't eat that because it has bread so like maybe these pe- these people did like honestly in most cases they just need a little bit more of the good and it's yeah. like and I, I would say good qualifies as i made my own meal mm-hmm. like and honestly without any type of pretentiousness towards how good that meal was like just have your sandwich or wrap or, or something like you know like we don't need to be chefs to encourage this stuff we just need to be like like put some bread in your house and some deli meat and like make, make it, make a sandwich like every, every lunch and like try and get encouraging them to make some meals they like. And if you can, if you can find someone some pretty simple meals that they feel totally competent, comfortable making that they actually like Mm -hmm. that are them preparing their own food, you know, at first they like maybe not used to it, but over the course of time, the weight starts coming off. Mm -hmm. And then when the weight starts coming off, now they're starting, becoming more and more willing to do a lot yeah. of other things like maybe that that person may not have liked vegetables but then the weight's coming off so now they're like a lot open to more more improvements as that goes along but if you can add a little bit more of the good in and then not do anything crazy like hey like you're going to go to ordering takeout three to five times a week to zero no you just say like no you have like you know one or two days now mm. or or yeah. something like and teach them how like and all you have to do is get them to create a, like a pretty small but big enough to make a change that they sustain for like two to four weeks and especially if they've got a lot of weight to lose they tend to see like we've, we we know that if we can just get them moving around a little bit more and eat a little bit more food that they prepared mm. leaving less room for too much you know crap um weight comes off and when that starts to happen of course like the the you know the the ability of them you know they want to listen at this point and it's not that hard and i think you got to teach those people especially that nothing they were doing before was inherently toxic nothing Mm. they were doing before was like all bad Mm. they just need less of the bad yeah or like you know and let's let's be careful with that verbiage like it's not bad but like less of that yeah, less of that, Lesser more of this. Quality Less quality yeah. options, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah, if you can come at it from that angle, and honestly, it's, and, like, you just you just tell them, like, 
I need your communication here. Like, and we can track this type of stuff, but it's like, let's talk about these things and not track the calories. Those people will generally do pretty well. Um, but you know, we can also talk about like some of the, you know, so some of the reasons why people are so adverse to calorie tracking isn't calorie tracking's problem. It's it's generally just like an, a human impatience problem. I agree. I, I think it's you know it's one of those things where um, a lot of people don't like calorie tracking because it, you know there's things like it, it makes things like takeaways harder to track or drinking hard, um, drinking alcohol harder to track or snacking yeah. harder to track. Whereas these are all things that make f- fat loss harder anyway. so you know that's that's what the things they're getting frustrated about is what is um making them you know put on fat at the end of the day and yeah yeah, that's yeah that's the way i've you know personally seen it from my experience yeah and like you know when i when i talk to people when i start off i i always tell them i'm like you know like i just need i need you to be willing to craft some calories and i need you to be willing to like or i shouldn't say i need but like my preference and my hope is that like I have someone prepared to like, you know, mind the small stuff. Like I, I actually do want you to track it when you put like 10 grams of butter in your pan. However, if there's situations where you're coming up on that you feel stressed about because you don't know the calories, like talk to me about that. Mm. Okay. And just like, that's it. Like you can't like screw this up. Just talk to me about it. Mm. And it's like, you know, and all of a sudden you've created a, 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 the door open on, okay, when they get to a restaurant, they get confused. Now they know, like, they should talk to you about that. And, like, th- I think that, like, creating a, 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 you know, open communication at the beginning of a client relationship is very big. Um, it should be a focus. But, um, but like, because the thing is, is, like, yeah, like, you can like, you can go through my fitness pal and find a restaurant. And if the restaurant's not there, you can find a restaurant kind of like it and then, like, choose the highest listing or something like that there are ways to still use the app Mm -hmm. and estimate and and be realistic accordingly and like i you know i would say if you're having clients using my fitness palette it it becomes your job to teach them this type of stuff like like you know you probably like if you're going if you're if you're having a restaurant entree and it's 420 calories you're probably just way off um like like teaching them what realistic areas are like you know i'm I'm on December 17th already of my advent calendar. I, I actually found out, I think advent calendars, Nothing someone, wrong with that. Said, someone said they're Canadian. I, I don't know about that. Or maybe the Americans don't do them or something, but, um, Oh no, no, no. We have, like, we have them in the UK as well. Yeah. So for, for anyone that might not know what an advent calendar is, it's just a calendar with chocolates in it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, so we're, we're recording on December 3rd right here. And I'm on like December 17th of my advent calendar. So every time I go in there and I am dropping weight right now, I track these and I track each one of those about hundred calories. Mm. Now I'm generally like, I'm fairly safe with that assessment. It's a, it's a, you know, small little, um, chocolate hundred calorie. And I referenced it because there's small little chocolates at, uh, uh, at the store down the road that sometimes I grab like just little balls, mm. little lint balls. Um, and they're like 80 calories. So I give each one of these hundred calories. So like, I'm not even using the proper, um, track. Like I'm not even using the proper, my fitness pal entry for these Reese's chocolates that are coming out of my, my calendar. Mm. Um, I'm just like, I'm just like, that's chocolate. It's like got some stuff inside it's Reese's. So it's like a little heavier and it's like, it's kind of like these balls at the, so I kind of just like use that. The big thing is here is that I'm tracking it, not just like going every time being like, oh, I don't feel like pulling my, my app. No, it's like that's annoying to go. Like I've had like five of them today and it's annoying to go to that and 
pull out your phone and then track it every time. Like it's just, it, it is annoying, but I'm also having chocolate while I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm like, I should probably put up with that annoyance. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a, like, it's, like, nice like it's like, it should, there should be something annoying about that. If, if eating chocolate wasn't annoying at all, I would probably have 20 of them. Mm. Um, so like, you know, like, I'm, I'm like kind of kidding there, but I'm just saying like, it's, you know, like at the end of the day, you're trying to lose weight here. So like, let's not make it, let's, let, let's, let's probably celebrate if we're making like certain foods a little bit harder to eat while also knowing that the fact that I can eat chocolate rather than what a lot of people think is as soon as they have chocolate, their diet's ruined. Um, yeah. you know, let's kind of like celebrate that kind of thing. But, um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of what you've said, you know, I agree with it, and I think you phrased it very yeah. well. Um, and you were speaking about you mentioned like eating out um, as well and trying to stay on track. Whereas, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of these um, usually bigger chains they have the nutritional value on their website for their meals. Um, so it's literally just a Google search away. If you, you know, and at the end of the day, I think with what we have access to now and you know i i i guess maybe it's not as easy as i would say but i think fat loss is the the fat loss process itself is probably the easiest it's ever been where in regard to you know the fact that just you, you can track your calories everything is just a google search away you know obviously on the other hand there are things where you know i, I guess like uber eats or takeaways are easily are are the easiest to access they've ever been um, yeah. So yeah, that is a downside um, um, in regards to fat loss, or you know maybe it's a it's a plus side depending on how much you really enjoy Uber Eats. But um, I think, as I said, yeah, a lot of these fast fa- fast food places have the nutritional value online. So if you want to, you know, if you are going through the fat loss process, you can one hundred percent stay on track. You just have to, you know, if have you heard of Nando's? It's a, it's a, Nando's, yes, that's a yeah, we have them here. Yeah, it's, a, it's in the UK. It's popular. It's very popular. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I used to have one across the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's um, I really like it. And yeah, you can literally just you know Google their meals online, pop it in, and you'll still be on track. You know, you'll probably it's probably not going to be one hundred percent accurate, but as you you know as you just said, slightly overestimate it, and it's like you'll be you you know you'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to be careful with like places like that, because I think you do have to realize the restaurant isn't really that interested in like being true to their cal- calorie guidelines that you might find yeah. in my fitness pal. So you should at least go, like if you're going to these places, like if you're going to Nando's seven times a week, um, like like I'm sorry, like you're gonna find out that you're making it like even though you can track the calories, you're you're making it really hard. You're either gonna have to have not much at Nando's or the fact that you're having like a 1400 calorie lunch every day is going to make the rest of the day harder than you want it to. So like, you're going to have to learn how to limit this stuff a little bit. I mean, or just, or totally go order in ways that you probably don't want to. And by that, I mean, like you get the meal and then you only eat half of it. Mm, Um, because like, because, and, and that's depressing, right? Because like, I don't know, like if I go to McDonald's and oh, have half oh, a Big Mac, yeah, I it's just like I, I, I just, the that, you know, that just I would, you know, I would rather just go less and have the normal meal. But, um, but there's a variety. Like if you really don't feel, you know, it, let's say you're someone who just like the the uncertainty of the the calorie tracking at restaurants really bugs you. Um, and for some people, they like they, they, there's some personality types may may you know 
may, may react at uh, impreciseness negatively. Um, mm, yeah. like, what can you do? Like all, like you can, you like you can get a burger and fries and just not have the fries. You can, um, you can look at all the fatty ingredients. And the reason why I say the fatty ingredients is because they, they tend to be that they are more calorie dense at nine calories per gram versus four um, for protein and carbs. So, so if you think like, you know, what are the fatty ingredients on a lot of restaurant meals? Um, you know, bacon, cheese, nuts and seeds, oils, butter, um, dressings, these types of things, even avocado, if you want to, you know, go into the, go in there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, ask the, ask the server to either cut some of those or only have half of those. Um, you know, you, you can do it. You can be, it's creative. Like at the end of the day, like when we started off this conversation, we're like, this weight loss thing isn't really hard. You just have to eat less. So if you go to a restaurant and you want a really simple way to feel successful, find a way to cut the portion. Like, and don't really, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're eating like a 1600 calorie meal maybe. So like, if you cut a decent portion of that, you just made a 400 calorie swing in the right direction. Hmm. So like, we're, we're, because you're playing with such a big numbers meal, like anything you cut out is probably going to be big, big numbers unless you, you know, so like, unless the part of the meal you, you ditch is like the green vegetables, which like, you know, please either add some steamed vegetables into that meal. Like, like also you should realize that if you're in a restaurant, like you don't have to order off the menu. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to get like, like grilled chicken and, you know, steamed vegetables. Although I did that once and it's a good way to spend $5 in a restaurant. Um, or whatever currency anyone's listening to, but, uh, but, uh, you know, like you, you can be creative. Like you can be like, I'm just not going to have the fries, but you can put some steamed vegetables on yeah. my plate to fill it up. And like, I, I, for most vegetables, I don't even have clients tracked because I just please have more of those. Like they're not going to get in the way. If they do get in the way, then we'll just, you know, lower your calorie number or something and, you know, leave the vegetables in because mm. they're helping. Um, you know, and like it, it's it's not complicated. Like just go in and do something, swing it in the right direction. But like if you're again, if you're not being precise and you're in these places a lot, um, you have to deal with a certain amount of you know reality that you're letting someone else make your food and they're trying to make it delicious. Yeah, and so you know that's not, all they care about. Like, the you're not doing like, like the more you loss, um, oh, sorry, especially you if you don't have much that? to lose. Like yeah, I said, the more the more often you're in a restaurant during like and aiming oh, for weight yeah. loss, the more you're basically voting against weight loss. Like I like and yeah. I'm not saying that to prevent anyone from going at all or to have anxiety about going. Mm. I'm just saying like if you're going often, you should at least be prepared that like despite some efforts, you may find out that like being in these restaurants is swinging calories in the mm. wrong direction a little bit too hard yeah. but all and like you know it's, but but also what's really important is let's say you like you know you have a weekend and you go to the restaurant twice and eat whatever you want and like if you get really like anxious about the fact that you just like ate a lot and slowed your progress down that's also a problem like the, mm. the fact the inability of someone to choose to go off track and also with that expect a subsequent slowdown in their progress of weight loss that they're hoping for like the ability to do that is really important because like at some point you're probably kind of have to enjoy your life while you're doing this yeah 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 of course um yeah you're, you're definitely right in saying that yeah because you know a lot of the time yeah. um 
yeah, a lot of people, you know, naturally you're going to go track time to time. It's just life, you know, things are going to pop up at the end of the day, uh, whether it's a mate's birthday party yeah. or a wedding or whatever it might be. And then, of course, they'll predictably, predictably go off plan and then, you know, feel bad for it. Whereas, you know, I always say at the end of the day, we always knew this was going to come up. Just We just had to plan around it and, you know, enjoy that moment. Yeah. Um, and then move on. That's it. That's literally it. And, and you know, usually when you shift yeah. that mindset from feeling bad about something that was always going to happen um, and instead, you know, enjoy it, enjoy the moment, you know, you made some good memories with your friends and family and then just go back on track once it's done. It's usually the later um, bunch of people that just end up do making long-term progress because, you know, they've understood that, I think before they were aiming for perfection, whereas perfection never was going to happen. It's impossible. Well, yeah. Like there's a, uh, I mean, there, there's such a, like a fragile, a fragility um, with dieters. Uh, and I think honestly, I think a lot of it comes from uh, the scale. Um, yeah. With, with regards to this. And yeah. the reason why, the reason why I say that is um, the reason why they're so afraid. And so of, of like, just like, having fun at the wedding is because if they were doing good for a couple weeks and I say a couple weeks because most dieters are not getting beyond the two to four week mark. Mm. Um, so like they're usually in a perennial state of being at like one to two weeks. Mm. Um, and like three, like, you know, at some point in your life and usually people have stuff that comes up every, you know, two to four weeks, mm. someone's birthday party, like mm-hmm. some sort of event is going to happen in the first month yep. and your ability to be perfect it's yeah. out the window yeah and the problem is is that because they've never well for one they don't really understand the scale in a lot of cases they go off track and let's say like first two weeks are good mm-hmm. and especially if they're rushing it like many people do mm-hmm. the first two weeks were probably great because mm-hmm. they'll probably lost like you know three to six pounds or you know uh two two to four kilos or something because a lot of people are dieting really hard that they do see that happen and really go in mm. and that's kind of a problem in its own right sometimes yeah. but yeah, but what ends up happening is they go the first time they go off track at week two or three at a wedding a birthday party a long weekend you name it whatever it is they eat a little bit too much and like i shouldn't say no i don't even want to say a little bit too much they ate normally given the circumstance like they ate the way that everyone else did yeah well said and they get on the scale the next day or something and they either and honestly even if the scale is not there they probably feel fat mm, um, yeah. because they just probably just came off a situation where they you know let's just let's take the ketogenic diet for for an example let's say they did keto for two weeks they felt slim real fast because they dumped a bunch of water mm-hmm. and lost a little bit of fat mm-hmm. so they feel like the water is gone from their body and that has a way of making people feel like they just like they feel lighter all this stuff and then as soon as they have a burger at the you know at the lake or whatever um that that bounces right back and the next day the water sticks mm-hmm. and all of a sudden in a matter of you know 12 hours they went from feeling slimmer than they probably should have to all of a sudden bloated mm-hmm. and and what they feel when they're bloated is I just got fat overnight. Mm. Um, and then, or if they get on the scale and like, of course their clothes fit a little bit tighter all of a sudden, and these types of things happen because you know, water weight is going to change as the way stuff feels. But let's say they get on the scale, whether this, they feel that or not, you know, they, they 1.5 kilos overnight. Yeah. So now 
because they don't know that that wasn't actually what they should have been looking at, they think, well, like I really do have to be perfect <laughs> because if I go off track at all, and like, honestly, yeah. like depending on the situation, it didn't necessarily take a lot of food for them to figure it out. And here we have this problem where like, honestly, like let's say they have a uh, burger or like they, they go out to a restaurant and have like a normal slice of cake and they have like, a restaurant meal and like a drink or two, like it's perfectly normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And the scale bounces the next day. And all of a sudden they're like, shoot, like that's a problem. Mm. So now they go into every situation like this. Yeah. With that thinking, mindset. Like, Oh shit. Like I'm like, basically they're, they're doomed mm. because now they can't enjoy anything. So now yeah. they're probably more likely a scenario. They're in a bit of a vicious cycle now. That, well, they get into a bit of an all or nothing. Like, yeah. Like, I would say this is like, it's not really said that often, but just talking to people, this is, I think this is why the all or nothing piece ends up being so prevalent is because people get a really distorted perspective on just how good they have to do Mm. because of the way progress feels like it fluctuates in the short term. And then they start going back to even more hardcore diets to start off with when, you know, again, at the beginning of our conversation, we talked about how simple this was they make it more and more and more and more complicated because they they get in this vicious circle of thinking that's how perfect they have to be. Yeah, but you know what? And that brings me on to the next thing I actually wanted to speak about, which was the difference between, so weight change and body composition change, which, oh man, um, this is like one of, for me, it's personally something I find I really need to try and emphasize often with, some people maybe some people more than others because you know other people will get it quickly uh, whereas on the other hand i think even though some people do understand the concept they have quite a big emotional attachment to the scale and what they think they sh- they, they the, what they've convinced themselves this scale should say for them to have been successful um where i think a lot of this maybe i'm wrong or and may- definitely not all of the time but i think a lot of the time it comes back to you know people will give themselves an arbitrary scale weight goal that they perhaps felt good at five years ago um, before they ever resistance trained um, when they were younger and you know just what wouldn't make sense to compare themselves to now you know the newer version of themselves where they're now resistance training um, and you know they're five years older perhaps or you know there's just so many factors that come into it yeah yeah, yeah, and like, and there, yeah, it could be a variety of reasons they come up with that weight. It like, yeah, you know, they may have seen someone else with that weight, and it was like they got blonde hair too, and their their name is also Tina. So like, <laughs> that person is the same. Like, I'm just like kind of making fun of the way we all kind of look at before and after pictures. Like the way people put themselves in the shoes of the before and after picture tends to be kind of um, funny. Like, oh, they got four kids too. I've got four kids too. They're just like me. Um, yeah, but true. like in. Uh, I don't even know where I was going there, but um, what question was I answering? It was was the fact that um, um, in regard to, you know, weight change and body composition change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) this is where I think it's super important that um, a client communication you're really going. So like, and I I asked this on my intake form, like, are you affected by uh, short-term body weight scan changes? Like if the scale goes up tomorrow, do you feel like you have an emotional reaction to that? Like you got to take a scale out of 10 on that. Mm. And I I would say 10 to 20, 
maybe more than 20, but like around that, say they're fine. Like they're like a five or less, like they're, they're pretty cool with the scale changing. I would say upwards of like 60, 70% mm. would be somewhere in the moderately affect me to I'd a point that like they that notice it well, to it's like a nine or 10, like mm. that shit is my biggest problem. Yeah. That, that um, play on and, and, I, and the thing is, is it's, I think it's important. Like, cause I talk about this. I almost feel like sometimes I talk about this more than anyone else does. Um, yeah, and it's not like the only thing that really matters, but it's, it is a, it is a thing for a lot of people. And it's also a thing that I think that's happening that sometimes they don't even realize it's happening. Um, and sometimes uh, they do realize it happening, but they just don't understand it. But you need to create an open dialogue there. And honestly, like, like I'm, I'm in the process of creating a video course for clients when they tell me, uh, uh, when they, when they start off with me, hmm. um, just to create as many talking points as I can um, so that they realize that like, if they're struggling with something, they know to talk to me about it. Um, because I probably at this point, I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for four or five years, like talking to a lot of people, I kind of know where people go along. So if that talking point is coming to them by a video being educated and you know, they're going, they should know that they're not the only one that struggles, struggles with this because a lot of people on dieting think that the, the stuff they're doing wrong and the way they're screwing up is for one, they're kind of embarrassed by it because they even, they kind of, in a lot of cases know that the scale is supposed to fluctuate, but they still react to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even like, and that's, that's an important thing for coaches to understand is your clients like knowledge isn't fixing the whole situation. What I think does fix the situation is uh, knowledge of it, communication through it, but also just like, and I call it handholding. Um, mm. And it's like, you know, not, not to make fun of people, but I, I think it's just like, you know, if, if someone's in the mindset that they can't go out to eat and then lose weight next week or something like that, um, like they, they, they believe something that, you know, is wrong. Like they're scared to, you know, they're scared to go off track a little bit. Mm. You just actually just tell them to do it. And then, Hey, and like, Hey, like, and like, I still tell people a lot. I'm like, if you go off track and you want to know what happened, like, let's say you go away for the weekend, you want to know what kind of damage you did. Mm. Don't use the scale the next day. But if you do want to know, read the scale for the entire next week. So like as coaches, we should be teaching people that like meaningful changes never happen day to day. Yeah, like we can get excited about like if the scale suddenly goes down to a new low, that's not insignificant generally. However, it shouldn't be like a massive celebration just because you know, that you reached a new low because yeah. like, you know, some people just celebrate a little bit too hard. Mm. Like, okay, we got a lot of this to go. Let's not like, you know, let's not have a party every time you lose like, uh, half a kilo or something mm. but like a new low is significant that is good what i'm saying is the bouncing around day to day we we have to teach them that that doesn't matter it's like you know if anyone's if anyone watches the stock market i mean the, the scale fluctuations uh uh have a nice parallel to the way that works i mean the stock prices go up and down every day but they trend in a certain direction mm. um you know weight 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 changes that the same way but i think if you can just like teach people that we need to wait about three or four weeks to see what happens mm. usually if you set that set, set that expectation um they wait it out and if they and if they don't see a change on the scale at that point you as a coach probably can already see situations where the reason why that is because they do something every weekend that's a problem um but i think that education is important and when it comes to the difference between the weight and and, and body composition i mean uh, you know, I'll, I'll quit talking quick here, but it's just like 
there's two ends of the body composition spectrum that I think people need to be aware of is like your weight is not unimportant. So as much as I don't want people to have a weight goal, just because I just don't think that their weight goal maps to their actual goal. The oh, way I'm they not think a fan it does. of it either. And that's, that's massively important. However, in saying that when I get a client you know, or, or a prospective client come in and they say, I don't care what I weigh. Like if I weigh, if I look the way I want and like, you know, let's say they're, uh, I'm just going to go into like, let's say they're just, let's say they're holding a little bit of extra weight mm. and you know, they are, and it doesn't have to be a lot of extra weight, but so an extra 10 kilos an extra five kilos or something like that. You know, that they need to lose weight to get to where they want to go. Mm. That person comes in and they've heard, well, the scale doesn't matter. And they're like, I don't care what I'm going to weigh. I could, if I weighed the same thing in, in, in six months and I looked the way I wanted, I'd be cool with it. Mm. And I think that creates a different conversation where it's like, Whoa. Um, I mean, that's probably not realistic your weight changing is probably going to be necessary and and using that appropriately is going to matter um and i think they need to know it's like it's not that it matters 100 percent. it's all that matters yeah it's, it's definitely not, not. But it's also but let's, let's also not go to the point where it doesn't matter at all mm. unless you know you have someone who like their goal is actually just totally mapped to their weight not mattering. But generally speaking, if you're a body composition client, the idea that like weight change and, and, and actually, you know, intentionally changing your weight up and down um, is like almost undoubtedly going to be a, a fairly significant part of the process. But on the other hand, there's also that like this muscle part of the process, which is, you know, the other half of the body composition piece, which is how much fat do you have and how much muscle do you have, mm. um, is happening, you know, sort of related to that weight change situation, just because, you know, obviously the direction you're going is going to limit how much muscle you have or something like that. But that's also a separate conversation where we're talking about, you know, what workouts are you doing? How much are you sleeping? How much protein are you getting? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. These are all things that are going to impact scale weight as well. But, um, yeah, you know, the thing is, I, I think, number one, it's important to emphasize that, you know, as you said, scale weight isn't the be-all and end-all. And I think it's very important to, you know, stay on top of other things that we can measure. So, for example, progress pictures, measurements, um, yeah. how we feel, you know, how old clothes fit. There's so many things that are important. But as I said, you know, so, so many people come into this journey with such a huge emotional attachment to their scale weight that... All these other things could be heading in the right direction, but if scale weight isn't going how they think it should, which, you know, it, it you know, that's what I'm trying to emphasize here. Why do they think it should go in that direction? Then they don't feel like they're doing things right. And what I found is that, is that usually the reason why I think, because, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if you get this sometimes, and it's not everyone, you know, you do get some people that when they start, they're a bit hesitant to take progress pictures or to get yep. their starting photos. But, yep. you know, I just, there is no way that I am not getting those when I start because at the end of the day, I know that down the line, this will be, this will be the difference between to you feeling like sometimes things aren't happening and you getting to where you want to be because at the end of the day scale weight might scale weight might not be moving but yeah. and you're going to feel like you're doing everything wrong but then the moment you see those progress pictures and you see the difference yeah. that you have made down the line in what let's say two or three months three months four months you're shut up yeah because you know the the changes were impressive to say the least um yeah. and at the end of the day there's so many as as you said there's so many things that come into it and 
if you started resistance training, chances are your your muscle gain has outpaced your fat loss. And that is why yeah. your body composition has changed so much, but your scale weight looks maybe it's maybe it's around the same. Maybe it might even be a little bit heavier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and I and I don't think people are really that aware that we know when good things are happening. Like we we generally like we want to see the pictures, you know, like to confirm it, or we want to make sure that we have the pictures so that you know we can show you. But um, like in like it, uh, you know, I can take someone on day one and generally know how things are going to happen you know, regardless of whether they lose weight or not, and like the easiest for those is, and honestly, in a lot of cases, our clients aren't advanced CrossFit five times a week, you know, deadlift 500 pounds, like, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm just saying like, they're, they're usually, and, and actually I'll, I'll speak for myself here. They're usually just regular people that are just like, you know, just moderately into lifting weights um, and, and just willing to like, you know, get stronger and stuff like that. We, I can usually tell if someone's going to be someone who like may see a fairly big change regardless of whether, whether the weight changes. Um, and I can even tell someone, you know, whether they're probably not going to be that person. And really what it comes down to is for one, like, what have they done in the past? Like, was there like, are, are they new to weights? Were they into weights before and have been doing that? Are they like, are, you know, are they so like, are they holding a lot, like a decent amount of extra weight or, or, or mm. what have you? Um, but, uh, but I think that's, but I think, I think that, that communication also just comes back to us. And um, I think one of the biggest problems with people not losing weight in the early going is not the fact that they did lose weight. It's the fact that they're embarrassed about not having lost weight. Yeah, um, you know, that's and, and I think that they need, and I, and I like, I've started doing this a lot more consciously when people come in and I, come to think of it would say that it's something that like without having like the data to back it up, it's something that's really created a lot of early going success with people, especially with the people who did not first succeed. And I think, and I say that like in the first two to four weeks, their first two to four weeks were not exciting weeks for them because they didn't see what, they hoped. And I mean, like some people think like they hope a little bit too much that the scale is going to go down. Like they hinge everything on that, mm. which is a problem. Yeah. Um, some, some, like some of you listening, if you're about to start a diet tomorrow, I would encourage you to believe, to realize that you might actually not be good at, enough and knowledgeable and skilled or experienced or understand this process well enough to say, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow. that's sustainable. And I'm going to lose weight in two weeks you might actually find out you just you don't know enough about the process and about yourself to actually do that. Um, you may need a little bit of time. And I think like when you, when you as a coach tell them like, like something like I, I, like when I, let's say I'm setting someone's calories now, I, I set them higher than I've ever set them. Like I try and I try and err on the side of too much. Uh, I want to create the problem with the, where the client is saying, I can't eat this much daily. And like, I know based on their weight that, chances are very very good that they used to eat more than that every yeah, day 100 like percent. i've had that a lot but well. but but now they're also they're, now that they're eating well they're having they're, they're getting to they're feeling okay on less um because the food is just better but now i want to teach them like hey well let's throw in some olive oil let's throw in some butter like, let's make these meals taste good 
Um, so you actually want to come back to them. Like, let's take a, let's take a, let's take a page out of the restaurant's book. Like, let's not pour tons of oil on it, but let's use a little bit and make these meals actually things you want to come back to, um, versus, you know, you know, dried chicken breast and broccoli, which of course you're going to get bored. Um, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to say regarding the subject, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I I think in summary, it's, it's like, you know, you want to try and stay on top of as many, um, um what's the word as many different something uh, as many different variables or you know things that you can measure as possible you know as i said progress pictures measurements even yes. how you feel is important too you know um you know our habits improving um yeah you know these are all imp- uh, you, important things you need to be able to like like if you can find a way to sincerely make someone feel successful on their road toward where they want to go, then like in honestly, as coaches, we can find a lot of different areas there um, that are just like actually just not us like faking the client out into think, thinking they're being successful into understanding that like, like, you know, it's not that hard to find. Like, are you feeling better? Like, are, are, like, do you feel stronger? Do you feel a little bit more muscle? Like, these things are happening. Hmm. It's just the fact that if they think the process is supposed to happen so fast, like, I don't know, there was a tweet I put out yesterday that was kind of cheeky where I said, like, you're, like, you're, when you find out, when you found out you had unrealistic expectations and then you, you know, then you created some realistic expectations. And I was like, those realistic expectations are probably still unrealistic. Like this process is going to be slower than you want it to be. And then slower than that. Um, You know, and, and I think like, and that's discouraging to hear at first, but also it's it's really liberating for for someone who starts to diet and realize, Oh, like I just thought I was supposed to be way far farther ahead at four weeks because I keep watching like Susie fitness influencers, you know, clients who are all just like, starving themselves and probably creating eating disorders yeah. in some cases so it's like you know just but just by teaching people that you're you're where you're like like and i have a variety of clients some more skilled and some less skilled and like when i tell one client that they're you are exactly where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. and like and here's a few things that we can continue to focus on to get better um but load let's not change everything you're you're not supposed to be rushing like this is not supposed to be happening faster than it is and usually people like the rate people go is usually the right rate for them because the 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 reality is is everyone's out there thinking this is just the situation that if i get the right diet i get the same results as everyone else does but your behaviors are so different your life is so different so it's like we need to like you're going you're always going as fast as you were supposed to and obviously a coach can help you go faster but like you know take take it easy like it's gonna take a while yeah um yeah you know that's another thing i think a lot of um what people deem as a realistic timeline has been totally skewed just because of you know all the quick fixed promises out there etc uh so that's another issue in itself and i guess that's a whole other topic but there was another thing i wanted to touch upon actually um that someone mentioned to me that they wanted us to speak about was that how does alcohol because i'm a bit conscious of the time as well how does alcohol um impact fat loss and i guess this is going to come down ultimately to you know how much and how often first of all um yeah because i i know for a fact you know one one drink once in a while zero difference um the question is i think it gets to are you how yeah as i said how often and how much because that can definitely have a huge impact yeah, so 
I I almost feel like my client my client Emily asked this question. She sent me a DM about it. I think she might have reached out. Anyways, anyways, hey Emily, if you're listening, um, but uh, <laughs> Hi, you know, Emily. for me it's like so before when I was talking about how like the body like changing body composition comes down in a couple things, and it's like like one part is like you know your weight changing, and like again your weight doesn't necessarily have to change for body composition to change, but at some points you're going to have to manipulate that. Then the other side of it is the muscle process, and I think the alcohol piece its its biggest play there is on that kind of muscle. Well, I mean actually I shouldn't probably say that, but, but I mean like what I was about to say was um, once you start getting intoxicated, so you you know like you're someone who you're, you're drinking past two drinks, I guess. Mm. Um, you know, and everyone knows where, where their point is. And, um, these days I feel, I feel like I can't go past two, but, um, I used to be able to. And, um, and, uh, it's like, once you get intoxicated, what are you doing? Okay. So your, your sleep is getting worse. Mm -hmm. Your, uh, you know, your hormones are, are probably via less sleep or even the alcohol itself are probably skewing towards, I want fucking fries. Yeah. Um, you know, or everyone else is eating now my inhibitions are down so now i'm eating again so like everything is now skewing towards like you not being able to do this anymore mm. your sleep sucks and your cravings are higher you're around people you're drunk they're drunk you're eating yeah. um so this whole situation is just not going well no. um now but yeah. but that's like that's a situation where you're intoxicated you're in social settings you're around food so this is like the alcohol isn't like the alcohol is like the precursor to you just eating way too many calories. But let's say you're someone who has a glass of wine on a nightly basis. To me, like, you know, I, I'm sure like someone, you know, in a sleep researcher or something like that. And there probably is some research out on, on this, which I wouldn't be aware of. But like, if someone has a glass of wine a night, how is that impacting their sleep? Like just a little bit of alcohol. On a uh, night yeah. On I've, basis? yeah I've, you know, have you it, read how, is that having, Sorry. you know, how significant of an effect is that having on sleep where the next day their workout isn't as good. So now during their diet, they're also getting weaker because their workouts aren't good. Um, yeah, or so like, like a, uh, are they yeah, getting cravings the next day just because they had a glass of wine, mm. you know, like, you know, and maybe there's a difference between people on that. So like, I think that's what people need to be aware of. But like at that low amount, like if you're just having like a couple of drinks per week or like, it's just like, and I, what I would say is just like pre intoxication type drinking, like, you know, basic social drinking um it's probably fine you just need to realize it's it's very similar to like you having a chocolate bar or something like let's say you have two glasses of wine and you know the, a pretty good estimate on a four ounce glass of wine is around 150 calories mm. uh, wines will differ so you have two two of those you have 300 calories that's basically a chocolate bar so it's like you're having calories that are not doing anything for you but also fit into a certain calorie number that's fine so it's like it's what's happening rather than drinking, but also no one should see alcohol as inherently harmful. Just like no one should see uh, chocolate as inherently harmful for, you know, your diet and your goals. You can get results on, on a couple of drinks. I just think that the more you drink, the more problems you're going to run into. Yeah. And no, uh, yeah. Especially if you're repeating that, you know, most days, then that is, you're, you're definitely making things unfavorable for you um, in regards yeah. to your journey. And yeah, I don't know, do you know um, a nutritionist called Alan Aragon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. I remember the most, um, it was like the most, 
it was like an unscientific term he used that always stuck with me because um, when I was younger and I was starting out, I, I found his work, which I feel like I was quite lucky to come across because when starting out, you can come across, you know, all sorts of um, rubbish out there. But yes, I, yeah, he was definitely a good source to come through and um, uh, to find. And I remember he said that when you get intoxicated, you're, he just summed it up as your fuck it factor goes up. And that, yeah, yeah and that, yeah, because, and if you're, if your fuck it factor is always quite high, then that's what you're, you know, that's, that's yeah. literally going to be your attitude in regards to yeah. when you're, you know, you're with your nutrition and alcohol has calories as well. And it's very easy to get carried away with your alcohol. Um, so yeah, you're just, you know, you're not going well, to really care when you're intoxicated as much either. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're more likely to go off track that way just because, you know, screw it. But also, um, what was going to say? Like, it's, it's like, you're not yeah like the less drinking the less drinking you do the better yeah um, when you're it's just yeah. not and the, the, the other thing i was gonna say is you know your ability to recall how much you ate like it, it's it's like going out and being like i only think i spent 50 dollars last okay. night but you actually spent 120 yeah. like do you, do you like you oh i only had four drinks it's like you had nine um you know so it's like i only went to the cheetos once it's like you went five times like mm. it's like I, I and the thing is is these are the nights where people end up in the in like the three to six hundred calorie range or three to six thousand calorie range and and you know because they didn't see it they don't know that that's happening and then you know they go off track a little bit one night and they had 24 calories instead of 18 and they think that's a big deal mm. i'm like you didn't track last saturday you ate like 6200 calories when you like went to pizza after you know your drinks at night or, or you know mm. the extra uber eats call or whatever mm. so yeah um but yeah it's a, it, it definitely in obviously overall it definitely has a huge impact um depending on how often you're doing it uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm just uh, so I've got two more questions that I actually wanted to go over. Um, yes. So one, the first one being, how um, this was another question I got asked that someone wanted us to speak about was, how is it okay to you know eat the same foods most days if you're still hitting your calorie and protein goal? Eat the same things day to day. Yeah, it was. I think it was along those lines that they were saying it. Yeah, yeah. If, Basically, if they're asking, yeah. is it okay to eat a lot of the same things on a daily basis? Yeah, if they're hitting their calorie yeah. and protein goals. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like I would. Like everyone's got to decide for themselves how much variety they need. Yeah, um, and I think sometimes you know, the less but, variety, the easier it will be yeah. to make progress. Yeah, like, and I would. But however, I would say if I, if I had my choice, like if everyone, like if no one cared about variety. I would prefer it that everyone was coolish eating the same few things every day. Mm. Like find a few things you like. It's it's like it's I don't know. It's like it's like it's like Steve Jobs always wore the same thing because he didn't want to have to make the decision. Um, yeah, so like he had that. zero fashion sense. However, you know it worked yeah. for him. So, yeah, but like it was uh, it became iconic <laughs> in his t-shirt. Bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the, the the less options you make the better however some like i don't want someone to be like well i want variety so i'm like well then you're gonna have to decide how much you have i would just say that at some point you're gonna get to a point where the person who needs a different meal all the time um and no i don't think many people are like that like but like the, the more variety that you need the more challenging you yeah, are making it's going them. to be like yeah. like it's like going back to the calorie tracking and thing like no you don't have to track calories but you need to respect the fact that you might actually make it be making this process harder on yourself. Mm. So like, 
the, the the realistic expectations you needed when you were tracking calories now need to even slow down even more because now you're going through this blindfold. Anyways, it's uh, I think that's you know kind of along the lines that I would go with it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's, the same. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I try and like I think everyone's job is to find like a day's worth of meals that you actually like that you get a, into a routine with yeah just um, some go-to and like meals that you actually like not meals that are like creating results necessarily like and obviously we want that too but i'm just saying like like to make a salad that you enjoy uh, to make a you know a, a anything like anything you want a sandwich that you enjoy something like that just so that you now have a beginning to have a library of meals that actually work for your goals but yeah, no, no one should think that eating the same stuff repeatedly is going to be a problem. Mm. Um, you know, as far as like the body doesn't like it when you eat the same things over and over. Because I think that myth prevails out there that like, you know, there's going to be something bad about like having the same same things every day. I would like, I would tell this person if that's what they're asking, literally not to worry about that fear at all. Yeah, I also think that a good way to perhaps mix it up is sometimes... Um you know i'm going to give two random examples here if sometimes if you let's say you have a bagel at some point every single day um maybe instead of having a sesame seed bagel go for a bagel with raisins in you know or whatever it might be um you can just perhaps mix up the flavor uh, so if instead of having one type of cereal, switch it to another. And, you know, just yep. that in itself, it's not like worlds apart, but there are some difference there to almost freshen it up a bit and, you know, yeah. and yeah, keep yeah. things as, you know. Well, I think at the end of the day, we're just trying to get people to make like more, more salads, more smoothies, more like, you know, yeah. like the, 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 fruit, the basic meals fish. that work are just like more everyone's protein. heard of them. Like no, no one, no one needs to make like chicken Parmesan or like, you know, for lunch, it's like just make a basic sandwich or a salad or a stir fry or, you know, like have steak and potatoes or, or you know, whatever it may be, have a soup. Mm. Uh, and then like these meals are all like, they're under a certain classification like there's not a million you know there's all, all kinds of different soups you can make there's all types of different sandwiches you can make so it's like you know like at least i guess have some structure but like you know like it's just change things around like it's it's you know once you have a basic template i think people i think i think what people need most is not necessarily to worry too much about whether they eat the same foods all the time is like, am I eating it a lot at the same times? So am I having a routine? Yeah, um, routine. Yeah, I think, I think routine I is like, and, and, and here's why routine is important. Because everyone needs to realize that the, the, the biggest challenge everyone's dealing with is the food environment. So yeah. the fact that there's food down the road that is like, the fact that there's probably not even down the road, just right now, four clicks like, away like, on your phone. You know, like the Uber Eats app, like all of this stuff, like we've made dieting easier, but the food environment has become disproportionately it's hard. The we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Like, so you need to realize that that's, 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 you know, that's the biggest challenge. So how do you fight an unpredictable food environment where your friend could be offering you a muffin where, um, you know, your, your, your work is now having like a, a lunch break, like a, a lunch meal that comes in. Like, how do you navigate all this unpredictability? It's by, it's by creating some routine. It's by, it's by at 10 AM in the morning, you already know what usually you eat for dinner or mm. what the plan is so that 5 p.m. Mm. rolls around and someone offers you food 
you at least are more likely to say no because you weren't going into dinner time without having an idea of what you're eating. Yeah. You already know what dinner is, so you can say, you know, you can say yes if you want, but I'm yeah, just saying yeah, yeah. it's like when you know when, when when your diet is predictable and routine, the outside unpredictability tends to quiet down a little bit. Mm. Okay. And last one now. Um I actually, I, I thought it would be quite good if we could speak about perhaps, you know, a mistake or, you know, a big mistake we perhaps made when first starting out, because I know, you know, a lot of people would perhaps listen to this or look at us and, you know, think almost our knowledge is, you know, superhuman and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just like how, yeah, you, you can see where I'm going with that. But, um you know, yeah. it's important to note that we've all made, coach, uh, coaches have all made mistakes and, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons as to why you know, we perhaps know what we know now because, you know, we've gone it through it ourselves. And yeah, that I, I was just going to, you know, perhaps ask you what's probably the big, one of the biggest mistakes you probably made when first starting out. Cause I, I definitely know I made a, a few. Well, <laughs> I started doing this stuff and like experimenting on myself. And like, I you know, use the term experimenting very like, you know, loosely, I guess. Um, around like 14 15 years old so actually like i would say oh, fairly, wow. fairly young yeah so fairly young yeah, um, I'd that's say, how like yeah, you know my 18, stealth study began 19. at like 14 15 on this stuff wow that's um, young i don't even so give a damn. so the mistakes <laughs> that i made like i used to have my mom make chicken breast for me to bring in like just like cold uh and like eat it at like eat it at school like it was just like, school? the most ridiculous yeah, so like the completely wow. like ridiculous. It's like I've made more mistakes. Actually, I I find partly like I probably relate better to the average dieter because I spent so many so many years screwing it up. Oh, I'm in, I mean, um, I spent years. I think two. I think more years than was necessary if I had just reached out to someone. Oh God, I mean, like this is probably why I started off the conversation the way it started. Because, yeah, you know, just reach out. Uh, to someone like what I was like, hey, like the first doing. thing I, I would have wanted to know was that basic shit like of basic eating better and like eating a little bit less probably actually works. Like it's just that you were impatient and like, you need to figure out some stuff a little bit before you run to all types of stupid stuff that, mm. you know, like I, I did, uh, you know, fasting diets that were extreme and, you know, like you try to eat as little as possible. Like a lot of, really you know, um, you can't eat this. Like as soon, like I, I went through binge eating in my in, in my twenties mm. fairly regularly, which probably stemmed from, um, you know, a bad understanding of you know black or white understanding of foods. As far as like, okay, I ate that. My diet's ruined. Now I'm just gonna eat way more of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, oh God, too many workouts. Like, I got shingles. I, would say I, did not I got shingles when I was. Uh, 24 or 25 so we're going like you know eight or nine years ago um i got shingles when I, I i started going back to the gym i was doing like six days a week working out like you know lifting six days a week mm. on a uh, and i was doing intermittent fasting and not to tell anyone that intermittent fasting causes shingles no one should take that <laughs> as i'm saying that but i was intermittent fasting and also you know this is the big one probably eating around 14 to 15, 16 calories a day Fifteen to sixteen hundred calories a day, which you know, at like two hundred and ten pounds, is not uh, is pretty low, uh, especially when going to the gym lifting six days a week. And you after about two to three months, 
What's that? You were 210 pounds. Sorry to, to, to yeah, assume. I was 210. Um, okay. I, I, the highest I've ever been was 235. What's your uh, and actually just, just so anyone realizes when I got to 235 pounds, um, I was like 25 or 26. How so are you? 10 years after I started trying to get in shape. So just like, you know, like when, when I talk to people about how like you can actually get in worse shape as you're trying to get in better shape, I'm speaking from personal experience. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, after about two months of the eating very little and going to the gym six days a week, I got shingles uh, right in the eye. Um, and uh, that was like the worst pain ever. Yeah, um, and all of a sudden my face, but uh you know, at least I found out that I had had the chicken pox, which was, was a question for myself. But, you know, like the mistakes I've made, I, I've made them all, um, you know, not being able to read the scale appropriately, uh, reacting emotionally to it. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it's hardcore diets, working out too much, um, you know, trying to uh, yeah. eliminate certain foods and uh, trying to do things too fast. Yeah. I mean, at the, at, the, at the bottom of all of it, I think impatience tends to um, I think impatience is probably the big one for myself, but also mm. a lot of people. What yeah. about you? Uh, for me, the, uh, two stick out in my mind that I think really held me back. Number one, I was that guy that had like a thousand supplements and zero gains. Um, because partly because I, you know GNC, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I worked at GNC for a while, so you know it kind of was probably because i could easily get you know things that were probably not selling and they were going to stop selling it and they discontinue it and they'd give it to me or um or you know i'd get some amazing deals because of the staff discount so you know before i knew it my room was just like just one supplement after the other and you know i don't know what was going through my mind at the time but um, I definitely did think it was going to really, instead of making the 2% different, which, difference, which it probably makes, I probably thought it was going to make like a 50% difference. And man, yeah, like yeah. I, nothing happened for a long time just to, you know. And now I basically, I, I, I hardly take any supplements and obviously I, I make more progress than ever. So it just shows. Yeah, it's... Uh... I would have, I definitely went through that phase as well. And it's yeah. just like, you know, $50, it's almost just like having a $50 fitness poster for inspiration. Yeah. Like, because that's what buying supplements felt like, right? It was just like, I'm just so excited to spend $40 on like, yeah, on this, new this thing. dream of looking like this guy <laughs> on the uh, on the label. It's probably the <laughs> most know, random like, supplement in the world as well. You know, it's, it's crazy the psychology of it, but it's just like so... Mm. Uh, so crude and misleading. Yeah, the other mistake, I think the biggest mistake for me, and I think this is the one that probably wasted the most time, is that I just didn't understand the concept concept behind a progressive overload. I, I just didn't. I didn't progressively overload for years. Um, yeah. So I, I was doing yeah. literally the same weights for the same reps. Um, and I think a lot of this was to do with the fact that I didn't log my training. So I just, I kind of just went in always just doing whatever yeah. weight felt kind of good or reasonable yeah um so yeah just didn't progressively overload and of course on the back of that no results really ever happened in regard to you know muscle gain and or body composition change that i, I kind of was yeah. after yeah but, yeah actually uh, alternate to that i think it was the opposite i went too heavy oh really i, I just <laughs> I, kept I, I doing the same weights all the time i, I don't know why yeah. yeah i got banged up a lot yeah oh, yeah mm, yeah oh, well. and there's two yeah there's two sides of that and i think people need to realize that some people like some people just don't ever like and I think like if you're coaching a lot of women, you tend to see that a little bit more and, you know, not, yeah, not to uh, I'd agree. Not to say that women never try and get strong or anything. So like there are, 
they're now that it's being pushed on women so hard to like you know strength train and this type of stuff you do see more of them going the other way and like mm. now they're going too heavy mm. like they're like you know they're trying to do you know uh, 15 kilos in their bicep curls in like the fourth week um but mm. uh but yeah like it's it's it, there's a middle ground where you got to be yeah for sure but anyway i think um it's been an hour and 15 minutes yeah, <laughs> but yeah um I'll, I'll probably just stop recording there then and yeah bring, yeah bring the podcast to an end but um where can people find you to finish off? uh yeah most of it is uh i think the best place to find me uh at chad hargrove one uh on instagram or even tiktok uh or www.chadhargrove.com which is uh, the link in my bio on uh, on instagram Okay, yeah, and if you're listening to me, I guess on Chad Hargrove's behalf, uh, Chad Hargrove's behalf, behalf, then you yeah. can find me on Instagram, which is Leo Alves PT. Uh, that's Alves spelled A L V E S. Um, but um, yeah, otherwise, lovely chat. That was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot for having me on, man. It's I'll, been 